Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome into the Double Switch Podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Butler, and I am bringing you the first solo show of the Double Switch Pod as my co-host, Michael Buckenroth, had other matters to attend to. Unfortunately, he couldn't be here tonight, but I'm not going to let that stop the show. He wishes he could join me. And we bring this content for you guys as much as we do it for us because we enjoy talking baseball and fantasy baseball and everything under that umbrella. We still had to bring you the show. We could not prevent this from being recorded. We already missed one this year. We didn't want to miss more because we love talking baseball with you guys. But you can find me on Twitter as at DadSox, where I post daily streamers, just like my co-host Michael Buckenroth does. And his Twitter handle is at BearsFan5233. You can follow our Twitter handle for the show at DoubleSwitchPod on Twitter. And we are excited to bring you tonight's show. I'm There's a lot that I've got to talk about, a lot of names I'm excited to bring to you guys. And it's been a crazy week. <laughs> it feels like it's been more than a week. Partly I've got my own things going on here at home. But we've seen a ton of more prospects being called up than normal. We've had more postponements, which obviously brings huge schedule changes. But... And then also just the fact that we are putting out more content daily for the listeners, for our followers, and we're enjoying it. We love you guys. Any of the questions you want to bring to us, any feedback, any criticism, anything you guys want to see in the show, let us know at those Twitter handles anywhere. And we are actually going to set up a uh, show email soon enough. So if you guys want to do the longer emails or if you have more questions, we are here for you guys. So, like I said, let's get into the news and notes around the league. There's been a lot that's gone on. Part of it is the fact that we've seen more prospects called up. But, obviously, with what's going on around the world, why don't we get into the negative stuff first? Uh, The Mets finally had their postponement deal, or their first postponement of the year, due to COVID-19. And that was due to one player and one staff member testing positive. This delayed their Friday... Uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday games with the Yankees and the one game with the Marlins. Unfortunately, that Subway series could not be played this weekend, which kind of helps the Yankees in a sense, the fact that they're dealing with so many injuries, the fact that they've got their own issues going on, and the Mets were playing decently well. So it'll be interesting to see where they can fit those in and how they're going to do it. Obviously, we talked about the Cardinals on the last episode where they're playing 43 well, 55 games in 43 days. And it's the Mets obviously are affected by this. I don't know what their chance for the playoffs is as anyways, but the Yankees obviously are more, more than glad to have the time off due to the injuries that they've sustained with Paxton, with Glaber Torres, who we'll talk about in a minute 
with Judge and Stanton and just all these guys that they are trying to deal with. And it's it obviously becomes stressful down the road when you are trying to put together a competing season and you're having to throw pitchers you may never throw or the fact that you're dealing with just even getting position players off more time than they need it. So the Yankees currently have a 99% chance of making the playoffs, so they're not too worried about it. But then in the NL East, the Mets have a 68.9 as they trail the Braves currently by three and a half games at this point. So they are going to need those wins, and I'm sure they would have loved to face the Yankees now when they're all banged up and injured versus possibly getting guys back in their lineup later on. But like I mentioned, Glaber Torres went down recently. He's looking to be out for, I believe, two to three weeks. And that's a huge blow. Obviously, he's been playing fairly well this year, if I can pull up his stats. And the fact that, I mean, he's got a 270 or 231 average this year. Definitely not the same type of Glaber Torres that we saw last year. But it's also because he's not banging up on the Orioles as much as he was last year. However, a lot of people took him high in drafts. You're expecting him to get that high amount of production. The fact that he is a part of that Yankees juggernaut offense that can just hit a bomb anytime possible that they're at the plate. But uh, some possible replacements, some guys to look into. I don't want to go too much into all the names that I've got on this list, but uh, if you're needing to try and replace him, Wilmer Flores, Nick Ahmed, and Jake Cronenworth, So Wilmer Flores plays first and second base for the San Francisco Giants. He's been hitting the ball really, really well as of late. Definitely pick him up. He's going to hit in a decent spot in the lineup. And with how he's hitting, you've got to ride the hot hand. You need the production right now. And he also brings a little bit of roster flexibility depending on the type of settings that your league has because he does should qualify for first and second in a lot of leagues. Plus he's batting in the third spot of the lineup. Like he did today, the last few days he's batted in the sixth, the fourth, the third, he's going to be in the top two thirds of that lineup. He's going to have his chances, even though the giants aren't super explosive, he's been able to be hit well in the clutch this year, hitting for a really good average. And you got to ride the hot hand with only how much time is left. Nick Ahmed, just like we talked about last week, still hitting really, really well. And then one of my favorites that I'll actually dig into later in the show is Jake Cronenworth. Very flexible, can play first, second, or short, but I don't want to tease. I want to tease you guys with him a little bit. Excellent pickup if you have the chance. And then unfortunately, the Houston Astros did lose Alex Bregman for a certain amount, uh, amount of time due to a hamstring issue. A lot of projections are saying at least three weeks. If you have that injured list spot, put him on it. Try and pick someone up. If you're sitting on that point of you don't have an injured list spot or you have your injured list spot is full, like a lot of my leagues, I've got a few where we only have the five injured list spots and we are large rosters. And it is brutal right now because as much as you want to pick someone up, you can't. But There's some decent replacements out there. Uh, First off is Evan Longoria, a name you probably didn't expect to hear. Just the fact, once again, it's a Giants player. I know Michael's going to love this part of the show, considering that 
I've already recommended you pick up two giants and they've been a lot better on offense than I expected them to be. Longoria's had a huge resurgence. He's hitting really well and very similar to uh, Flores. He's going to be in the top part of that lineup. Looks like he's batting fourth or fifth a lot of the time. So batting cleanup at times and with the way that Yastrzemski and Slater and Solano were hitting, even Alex Dickerson is in the two hole is not bad at all. And I mean, you got to love it. The fact that you're going to have to pick up a guy like that isn't the best, but he's going to give you some production. He's a vet that knows what he's doing. You're not trying to rely on a rookie. And then two other vets that you could look to replace Bregman is Brad Miller playing third base for the Cardinals. He's playing really well, hitting the ball all over the field right now. If I, I'll pull his, up his stats while I talk about the last one, which the only reason I suggest uh, this last one is due to the fact that a lot of people may have had Bregman in a shortstop position or middle infield because he did have third base and shortstop going into this season for the most part. And that would be Chris Taylor. He's a guy that I would look into. Dodgers are giving him playing plenty of playing time. He's not anything flashy, but if you need a little bit more speed, you could look at a guy like Chris Taylor with how monstrous that Dodgers offense is. Now, back to Brad Miller. He's hitting the ball well. He's absolutely showed really good production. So we'll actually discuss him later on as well as one of my pickups of the week. But on to some positive news, we've had a lot of call-ups, and I believe there's over 70 rookies that have debuted this year compared to about 40 for most years. And that's why this list is so long. We're going to start with the top prospect that I think is going to make the biggest difference this season because of the position that he plays, because of the lack of depth that we've seen this year. And that's Giants top prospect, Joey Bart. A little bit of a running theme here with the Giants, and it's it feels crazy just because we know the Giants are not stellar, but Joey Bart is the top catching prospect for a reason. The dude is excellent on both sides of the field for both offense and defense. So he's going to be a well worth a pickup. There's only about six pick catchers that I would own over him right now. Obviously JT real Muto. You may have your Gary Sanchez. You may have a couple others, but honestly, if after the top five or six, I'm picking up Joey Bart. I don't care who I have. I don't care what they did last year. Joey Bart, especially these first two games, has looked awesome. He's hit, uh, I mean, his debut night, he hit two doubles, if I remember right. And it's the fact that the catcher position has been so bad. Guys like Mitch Garver, Christian Vasquez, you've had Will Smith obviously be injured but struggled for times as well. The catcher position has been so bad this year that you have to take the chance with Joey Bart. He may not be available in your league. It may be a little bit too late at this point, but there is no reason not go check. Some people may not always be as hip to the prospects, so go grab him if you have your chance. He's got power. The average may not stay where it's at, obviously, right now. I expect him to be more of a 250-type hitter for his career. The hit tool is not there because he takes such a max swing but I'll dig him into him more later. I also have him as a topic to discuss. And so why don't we get into some of the pitchers that also were called up recently? We had a slew of them between Tristan McKenzie for the Cleveland Indians, Sixto Sanchez for the Marlins, and then a pair of Detroit Tigers and Casey Mize and Tariq Skubal. 
all of these, if you have the chance, go pick them up. There's obviously a lot of veteran names on your waiver wire. I'm sure that you could try and run out there, but all these guys have a lot of potential. Let's start with Tristan McKenzie, who made his debut the other day, called them as my streamer of the day against a Detroit team that obviously is not great. They have a lot of swing and miss in their game. Guys like uh, Kristen Stewart, obviously Mikel Cabrera is not the same hitter he was, but Tristan McKenzie looked great. Even in the minors, he was known for his pitchability, for his control. The fact that he's got really good command, even though he doesn't have the nastiest of stuff compared to some of the guys like a Dustin May. But the pitchability is there. He's very solid. And he's part of that Cleveland pitching machine that we've seen over the last few years. Excellent pickup. Go grab him. Sixto Sanchez flashes a 100-mile-per-hour heater along with a uh, – oh, darn, I'm blanking on it now. Sanchez – uh, obviously his heater is his best pitch right now. Going to blow guys away with that. And he looked really good the other day. I mean, making his debut, you're going to have some bumps in the road, but the fact that he was able to pick up a win against the nationals and nationals still have a really good offense, even though they're missing the guys, uh, from last year. But I mean, against a true lineup like that, the world is defending champions to go five innings and, see where to go to go five innings and strike out a few do do, do, i cannot find it here there we go struck out four had no walks and a lot of that he's very similar to mckenzie obviously more uh heat in his game with the 100 mile per hour heater compared to tristan mckenzie's 94 ish but then he features a slider which is really good at 88 miles an hour and then his changeup is 90 so you're looking at a guy with some wipeout stuff go check out pitching ninja on twitter he's got some really good gifts of his debut the other day and he doesn't have a whole lot of strikeout upside even though his stuff is nasty he's never been able to post double digit strikeout numbers however he's a guy that i really like and then casey mize Tariq scoobal Obviously pitching on a bad Detroit Tigers team, but Mize is more of the floor versus Tariq Skubal with the upside. I would chase Mize in a short season like this because you know he's going to provide. And then the last few names here, uh, guys that you might want to check out but really shouldn't have as much of a fantasy impact this year are, it's actually Isak Paredes, not Isaac. It's Isak Paredes which I learned over the weekend. You've got Monty Harrison for the Miami Marlins, Christian Pache for the Braves, Jesus Sanchez for the Marlins as well, and then Brendan Rodgers, who we've seen before. Maybe he'll eventually graduate off the prospect list if he gets enough at-bats. But the problem with this five-pack of players right now is the fact that we don't know what type of playing time they're going to have. Monty Harrison and Isaac Isak Paredes should have plenty of playing time due to their team's Harrison obviously playing in center with some decent defense, but the hit tool is not there. He's a power speed combination guy. And Harrison, if he struggles at the plate, he's going to kill you. I wouldn't worry about picking him up. If you see him start to heat up, he's a possible guy, but keep him on your watch list. Don't go out and spend for him. And then Christian Pache of the Braves has not seen a whole lot of time. And Brian Snitker even said that he's a defensive replacement for right now until Ronald Acuna Jr. comes back. So don't overspend for him either in this year. 
I still think Pache is a better real life player than he is fantasy guy. He has some good speed, but he's not a natural base stealer. He's been unable to be super successful at stealing bases. Even though he's aggressive, he does not convert at a super high rate. So I wouldn't worry about him. And then Jesus Sanchez and should get some time. How much we don't know. And then Brendan Rogers, that's the Rockies right there in a nutshell. You have Garrett Hampson, Ryan McMahon, you've got Brendan Rogers. You've, they have so many prospects that they don't give full run. So if you have a deep, deep league where he's available, you might want to grab him. But honestly, I don't see a lot of playing time in his future just because the Rockies do this. They have this issue where they have so many players they want to play. So you'll get Rogers with where he starts two games and sits two and then Hampson is in there for two. I mean, we've seen that with Hampson all year this year where he's a pickup, then he's a drop, then he's another pickup because they're starting to play him again. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. So that's really the news and notes around the league. Why don't we get into the studs and duds because we had some awesome performances this year or this last week. And one of them, I got to say, I'm wearing a White Sox shirt right now because of the way that my White Sox performed this last week. Six-game win streak obviously ended today as I record late here Sunday against the Cubs. But a lot of this was led because of the power on this team. 28 home runs in seven calendar days. Absolutely insane. And seven of them, seven of the 28, came off the bat of Jose Abreu this week, who had 30 at-bats. 16 hits, and then also scored nine runs with his seven home runs and drove in 15 for a 533 average. The fact that those are video game numbers of you play MLB the show, you're smashing the ball everywhere, and that is what you produce. The dude was on fire, four straight at-bats, all home runs between Saturday night's game and Sunday today. (laughs) Absolutely insane. Stud of the week best hitter out there especially at first base who where it's a really shallow position we know there's not a lot of great performers this year even though Vlad Guerrero Jr. has gotten has become a one first baseman I want to say one B thinking as I as I was typing earlier but Vlad Guerrero he's become a first baseman you've got other guys but first baseman is just so shallow that when you get this type of production he, he easily wins you a week I mean, obviously the deeper leagues it makes a bigger difference, but even shallow leagues, a seven home runs, it's, it blows my mind. And the fact that it's, he's been one of my favorite guys since he came over. And I feel like he was the first prospect I really called if he's going to be good. Obviously he's older, he's more polished, but I felt like he was, he's been one of my favorites since he came over. Another stud that we had on the pitching side, since I've got the opportunity tonight, is Zach Gallen. I doubted him coming into this year a little bit. The control wasn't there to start off right away. But this man over in his two-start week provided you with 13 innings pitched, only allowed a combined 11 hits and walks with 14 strikeouts and a 1.38 ERA. That is an awesome baseline. That is what you expect out of your SP3, your SP4 wherever you have them in your, your uh, rotation. The man is pitching like an ace, providing that. And it's, it's hard to find that with a lot of pitchers because, as you'll see with my dud here in a second, the fact that this year is so crazy that we 
great pitchers are pitching bad, bad pitchers are pitching great. And when you can get that out of your middle round guy and Zach gallon, take it all day, especially with the performances he's had this year. Now onto the duds of the week. Wah, wah, wah. Like I said, with we've had great pitchers pitching terribly and that's going to reflect with Max Scherzer. He had one start this week, only provided his owners with 4.2 innings pitched, uh, seven hits, two walks, and five strikeouts, providing you a 7.71 ERA. Not what you expected out of Mad Max, especially against the Miami Marlins, who are surprisingly a sneaky team this year. And even though they missed a ton of games, they're still a 500 team in a tough division having to face the Yankees, the Rays, the Nationals, the Braves, the Phillies. These are all good teams, even though they're not playing up to it. The Marlins have kicked ass. They've played really well. And But the fact that Scherzer is a guy that you doesn't matter who's out there, who he's going against, he absolutely flopped for you this week. Another one is Aaron Nola, but I felt like Scherzer was a big flop just as well. Two really bad pitching performances there. Now, for our dud hitter of the week, like I said, first base is tough, and Anthony Rizzo continued to show that this week. In his 24 at-bats, he provided you with three hits and only one run. No home runs, no RBIs, obviously no stolen bases. That's got to piss anyone off, because even though Rizzo has been healthy this year, at least what we know of, he hasn't missed time since summer camp with the bad back, he killed you this week. And that's, it's funny that Mike had Wilson Contreras as his dud of the week last week. This time it's Anthony Rizzo. The Cubs are struggling on offense and for, they really need to turn it, turn it around their performance against the White Sox this weekend showed that, and they're going to need Anthony Rizzo and Wilson Contreras, those guys to show up because Ian Happ cannot carry that offense forever. Jason Hayward isn't going to bring you anything. So Anthony Rizzo, I hope that he bounces back for you fantasy owners. But this last week, I'm sure a lot of you are pissed off with him because I would not blame you for it. Those are our studs and duds of the week. I've got some exciting future guys to talk to you about. But before we get to that, let's hear a word from our sponsor today. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. And I'm back. Now, as you know, we always get into the pickups of the week after our sponsor. And because Michael is not here, I'm actually going to provide you with three pickups myself. 
three of them I've already talked about a little bit. I'm just that excited about them because of the fact that these are guys that are going to be very valuable down the stretch. The first one is third baseman Brad Miller. Already talked about him as a replacement for Alex Bregman. The fact that he's on a Cardinals team that we talked about last week is going to have a lot of double headers. Has a lot of games left in their schedule. So that is a good point for him already. The fact that you're going to get those double headers in a week where you may need more wins, he's going to have that production opportunity because he's going to play in most of these games. They don't have a guy that's going to push him out. Tommy Edmond has not been performing. So Brad Miller, it's Brad Miller season. As for what he's doing, he's crushing the ball right now. It's a small sample, of course, but he's hitting it at almost 93 miles per hour off the bat. And he showed excellent barrel control already. But the biggest thing is, let's see where to go. Um, like I said, the schedule favors him. And the best part about it is he's also hitting in the top part of the lineup. He's batted fifth in the last five out of seven days. And actually today he batted second in the lineup. So, you know, he's going to be there and he's going to be very valuable. Even though a lot of people don't own him, he's a guy to look at. Even if you need a utility player, grab him up because there's nothing wrong with his game right now. And as I said, his barrels, he's controlling the barrel really well in his batted balls. He's had 18 batted balls this season. Four of them are barrels. So that's a 22 barrel percentage. The guy's hitting the crap out of the ball. He may not be in the best hitter's park, but he is going to visit places like Wrigley. He's going to visit places like guaranteed rate for the uh, against the White Sox if they have another chance, I believe. Um, but you're going to play in Wrigley. You're going to play in Miller. You're going to play in some good stadiums, not always going to be facing the best pitching competition. And if he's going to get the playing time for St. Louis and hit in the top of the order – Absolutely take it, even though he's 30 years old. Uh, now on to our second pickup of the week. That is catcher Joey Bart. And we already talked about him. High upside, excellent job already this season because, I mean, he's only had a few games, but two barrels on five batted balls already. Like I said, there's some downside to his average, but in this short season, the pitchers may not have the chance to adjust to him he may be able to crush and crush and crush and while san francisco is not the most hitter friendly park give me that opportunity because there are only a few catchers i would roster above him he's going to play damn near every day because he's young because of the fact that he has such an impact with the arm and the defense it is very polished that the giants are going to use him and on top of that they haven't gotten any production out of their catcher position with Taylor Heineman and whoever whoever else they were throwing back there. So why just leave Joey Bart in the training facility for the rest of the year? Doesn't make sense. Let him get some opportunities against the Dodgers, against the Rockies, against the Padres, some teams that you're going to face in this division the next few years where he should, I mean, you get him this opportunity. You're still going to have the extra year of service time. So the giants are ready for him to take the ball or take the bat behind the at the plate and take control of this pitching staff. They need it. So grab Joey Bart. The power upside is massive. He's going to, the only problem with him though, is like I said before, he goes max effort. He does not have that 
two strike approach like you'd see in an Anthony Rizzo or a Mike Trout where these guys are okay I just need to get a hit I just need to put the ball in play let me take my b-hack let me take a little bit off this swing just so I can make good contact rather than having to kill the ball every time Bart has that issue but with the way that the catcher position has been this year you're going to take it I mean even if you have a Pedro Severino or players that have been producing I'm absolutely dropping them for Joey Bart because the upside he possesses in the last 20 games of the season now my last one this is a little bit of this year but also dynasty aspect go grab infielder Jake Cronenworth it's a pod he's a padre he does not really have a defensive home because that team is absolutely star-studded across the field for the most part Obviously, you've got Manny Machado at third, so he's not going to get a lot of time there. You've got Fernando Tatis at short, who is becoming the face of baseball at this point. The guy is absolutely insane. You have Hosmer at first, but, I mean, he's he's grabbed – he's got first base, second base, shortstop eligibility in some leagues based on your settings, but he is smashing the ball right now. His exit velo is over 90 miles per hour, and he's hitting the ball hard 50% of the time. The fact that every other ball he's hitting is smashed is excellent. And with his roster flexibility, he's going to be all around the infield. So if you have that middle infield, corner infield spot, you can sub him in. I actually had him uh, this week in a dynasty league, had him on my bench originally. I believe Yohan Mancato was out, tossed him in. He got that grand slam that he had the other night. (laughs) It worked out really well. I mean, this guy is just great. He may not bat at the top of the Padres order because of the way that they are just talented across the field with Grisham in in the sec two hole. You've obviously got uh, Hosmer and Myers and Fernando Tatis. He's going to usually bat sixth or seventh in the lineup, sometimes a little bit lower. But for the most part, he should be ahead of Jerks and Profar, Austin Hedges. And if he can sit in that sixth spot with – him hitting in Machado, Hosmer, Myers, I mean, any of those guys that get on ahead of him, he's going to have the RBI opportunities, not so much the run opportunities, but he also he has a really good hit tool. The only thing that's lacking is the power, and that's due to his fly ball rate. It's under 20%, but he's hitting the ball over 40% of the time as a line drive. So if he gets just a little bit more loft in his swing, and is able to get under the ball at the right spot, he's going to add some more power to his game. He could become a uh, 20 and toss in a few stolen bases as well. He's not going to be a pure slugger, but if you can get 20 home runs and a 300 average with the roster flexibility that he brings, I mean, you're going to take it all day. There's no reason not to. So go grab Drake, Jake Cronenworth in a deep league, the fact that he walks as well and does not strike out a ton. There is so much upside with Jake Cronenworth that you need him on your team. Now for the pitching side, I've already talked about Tristan McKenzie a little bit. He is my first pickup of the week though. Love Sixto Sanchez. He's another one that I could talk about as well, but my selection here is Tristan McKenzie, a guy that I originally own. Love the fact that he has some good upside. I was off on him for a little bit because we hadn't really seen him pitch at all in 2019, at least publicly. And we didn't have any progression of, Hey, what's going on with him. It's similar to Jordan Groshans of the 
uh, Blue Jays where he was struggling. He was doing well. Then he got hurt, and we didn't hear anything more on it. And McKenzie, not really any news last year, knew he had the pitch ability. He's got that odd body where he's uh, – See where I believe he's six four and a six five and one hundred and sixty five pounds. The dude is a string bean. It's not a bad thing, but the big question mark with McKenzie is: can he hold up for a season? And even in twenty eighteen, when he pitched, he threw ninety innings, had eighty seven strikeouts, and only twenty eight walks, while allowing an average under two hundred. The guy knows how to pitch. He's got the control and command. And as you saw against the Detroit Tigers, he pitched so well. My stream of the week came through for me on that one, but he's got uh, really good. He's got some good strikeout upside with his 95 mile per hour fastball and his curveball sits at 80 miles an hour. So big difference there. It's not a big not 12 to six hook like you would see from Kershaw, but he's got some good spin rate on it. And this is the Cleveland Indians we're talking about. You've got to remember that. We've seen Zach Plesak and Aaron Savale, both of them. Nobody really was high on them going into this season. They were back into your rotation guys for fantasy. But look at what Savale's come. He's had some really good strikeout games. Same with Zach Plesak before his idiot ass decided, I'm going to go out during a pandemic, was one of the top pitchers in the league. And you look at Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber was not a huge strikeout guy like a Max Scherzer is now, but look at what he's become. Cleveland knows how to get the best out of their pitchers. Tristan McKenzie will be another example of that. The biggest thing with him is health. However, with only three or four starts left, I would be excited to take McKenzie and I'll actually pull up what his next two starts are while I discuss it. And if he's able to stay healthy, I love him in dynasty. You're going to have a hard time buying him now just due to the fact that he is I mean he just had a 10 strikeout game regardless it's still going to be tough to buy him but uh, the downside for him in this season is the fact that he is probably going to get booted from the rotation once Clevenger and Plesak come back I don't see the Indians dealing one of them within the next while just because of the fact that they they want to win while they have Lindor, even though he hasn't been the best this year. We don't know if McKenzie will get another start, but we can pull up let's see Indians schedule. And they Indians don't face anyone terribly scary. So with him pitching on Saturday, his next game would be let's see one, two, three, four, five. It'd be the Cardinals. And then after that four or five he'd face the brewers so his next two right now are the cardinals and the brewers two of the least scary offenses with the way that they've performed so mckenzie has a great chance if he can start two those two games i would love that we don't know if he's going to stay in the rotation what the indians have planned but even if he gets booted to the bullpen i wouldn't be surprised because they need they have the good arms and they still have other arms that they plan on using in the future, but Cleveland knows what they're doing. I trust Tristan McKenzie a ton. Now, one that should be in your rotation for a lot longer because there's not a lot of competition behind him. And it's one that I don't see highly owned, usually about 50 to 60% at most, is Elliot Eliza Hernandez. He's not great for quality starts. I'll start out with that, the negative here. 
is he's not going to nail down quality starts. He's only gone as much as five innings this year, but the, he's shown excellent stability. He can be a good back end of the bullpen or back into your rotation pitcher this year for the rest of it. And over his last 10 innings, he's thrown 15 strikeouts with one walk. And a lot of that is he's a two pitch pitcher. His slider is dominant right now with a 42% whiff rate. He's only allowed two hits on that slider and he's thrown over his slider a hundred times. So people are having issues touching that his fastball obviously is not drawing as great of comparison there, but he is using his fastball to set up his slider. He uses his changeup very rarely, very similar to Chris Paddock in that essence where that third pitch isn't there, but if he's only going to go through the rotation or through the lineup twice, and he can provide me with five innings and one earned run or two earned runs, I'm okay with that. It's just short of the quality start, but it's there's quality there. He's got some strikeout upside, as you can see over his last two starts. And even this year doing really well with his strikeouts to walks. The best part about it is his next two games. He draws the Mets at New York. So he's got that spacious ballpark to put to pitch in. And then he takes on the Toronto blue Jays in Miami. There won't be any Bo Bichette. Teoscar Hernandez has been playing hot, but that's 10 days from now. We don't know how Teoscar is going to be. He's very streaky. That Blue Jays offense isn't super scary. So I like Eliza to stick in your rotation if you need a pitcher, especially with injuries that have been going on. Grab him if you have the absolute chance. Now, let's get to my two drops of the week. And I'll say this first one is really tough for me because I was a huge advocate of him this, this off season. I thought he was going to be great. He had the opportunity to be such a draft value. And at this point he, you need to get him off your team, drop him to go get uh, a Tariq Skubal, a Casey Mize, or even, like I said, Tristan McKenzie, you've got the opportunity here to improve your rotation without having to make a trade to just spend a little bit of, uh, fab, go get him, go get whoever you need. But Anthony Desclafani is the guy I'm talking about. Cincinnati Reds pitcher who I, I stood for. You can go check my Twitter. I will not delete any of it. I never will. And his slider is still good, but he is just absolutely getting crushed with his fastball. Half the time that he's throwing it, people are getting hits off him. He's allowed a 533 average so far this season. And his four-seamer has under 10% whiff rate. Obviously, you're not expected to get a ton of whiffs on your fastball, but they are just sitting on it. And his slider is still producing. But when your fastball is getting crushed this often, it's not going to work. And unfortunately, all of his peripherals, if you look at his Sierra, if you look at his FIP, his XFIP, all of those are telling you he's, this is how he's performing. There's, it's not like he's getting unlucky. He's not stranding runners at a league average rate, which is a problem. So when they get on base, he's allowing them to score. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of progression, positive regression in his future. There's not a lot left here, and especially pitching in a hitter's ballpark like Cincinnati. And he's also going to face going to pitch in Miller. He's going to face the Cubs in Wrigley at times. Desclafani needs to be done as much as I hate saying it. I thought he was going to be worth it, but I'm done with him. He needs to be off your roster. And this one was a little bit harder. I really thought he was going to be a top 100 player. 
this one is I my second drop of the week is Jeff McNeil. Unfortunately, he's lost playing time recently. He's not showing any power, and he ha- the Mets have actually shown a propensity to use other players. We've got obviously second base seems to be controlled by Andres Jimenez recently. Ahmed Rosario's got short locked up. Cano's obviously playing DH for the most part. They don't have him out there on defense. Uh, Polar Bear Pete Alonso is at first, so there's not a lot of room for him. Even in the outfield, that's where he could play. But he's not hitting for average. He's not hitting for power. He's not going to provide you really any speed. Jeff McNeil needs to be tossed to the Wolves. It's almost that secret bomb of like, well, he could bounce back. And I'm sure Jeff McNeil could, but there's just nothing in the cards at this point. He is going to have a couple extra games that could be in his favor, but I just don't think he's worth it this year. J.D. Davis is a guy that pretty much replaced him at this point is what it looks like. J.D. Davis looks to be a diamond in the rough for the Mets when they actually made that deal with the Houston Astros. I mean, you dig into... Jeff McNeil right now, he's got a BABIP of 310 and his average is 269. So there's, it's not like he's getting unlucky there. He's striking out more, even though he's walking more. It's just, there's not a lot there for Jeff McNeil. So go and chase one of the other hitters I gave you. Go chase a Brad Miller, a Jake Cronenworth, guys that are going to have their opportunities to perform, to produce for you, and are already showing they can do it in this crazy and weird season. There's no reason to sit here with Jeff McNeil, unfortunately. His exit velo has dropped out, dropped down to 2018 levels where he's only hitting the ball at 86 per, miles per hour for his exit velocity. His max exit velocity has dropped as well, but his barrel percentage is even worse. Obviously, short season, small sample size, but he's just not hitting the ball hard like he was last season. So Jeff McNeil, get off the roster. I'm done. So if obviously if you guys have any questions for us, if we'd love to get a mailbag segment in with you guys, if we can get three or four questions or even do a whole show of them in the middle of the week, I'd love to do it. I think it'd be entertaining. And I know Michael is looking forward to it. If we can get it now, you can remember, you can find me at dad on Twitter Dad Sox, S-O-X, obviously is a White Sox fan. You can find Michael Buckenroth at BearsFan5233. And then you can follow the show Twitter at DoubleSwitchPod. Love for you guys to get in, involved. There's a lot more we're going to be putting out. If there's player breakdowns you want to see, if there's streamers that you want to see, things like that, let us know. We'd love for you guys to get involved. We want to see this community grow because this is just fun. I mean, we all play fantasy baseball for a reason. So thanks for tuning into the show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I know I feel like I was ranting a little bit at times, but that's part of the game with this. So I'm out for the night. 